Welcome everyone to the Take It Home Podcast. I'm your host, John LaRocca. And on today's episode, I'm going back, back in time again. Last week's episode, I covered my favorite guilty pleasures of pro wrestling. And thank you all for your feedback on your guilty pleasures in pro wrestling. I loved hearing all of them. I got a kick out of uh, Kevin E. Lee from the Boom Podcast that's that's heard on this stream with uh, James McDaniel and they uh <laughs> he Kevin loved Steve Mongo McMichael and I just loved that I love that this is you know it's just so cool to hear everyone's thoughts on you know who their guilty pleasure is because there's always that guy or, or gal that you know you, you like in pro wrestling and there's someone's like oh my god how can you like that person how can they? it's just fun to talk about because there's you know different strokes for different folks and um you know i got a kick out of you know talking about my top six like i said mentioned last week it was supposed to be a top five but end up being a top six so it was a lot of fun and and got me back to thinking just about some old school wrestling and then sure enough this week on the peacock network slash wwe network quietly the wwe uploaded about four or five house shows from 1988 that some have not been seen before and i'm i'm i was on it because i love watching those old house shows from msg the spectrum boston garden la sports arena maple leaf garden i just enjoy watching the whole show from the opener to the main event and seeing the flow of the show and and you know, as a kid, I would read the back of the magazines and, and I would see the results and I'd be like, I wish I was at that show. I wish I was at that show. Wait, that show has the same result as that show. I wonder, you know, like, and uh, and and I just would always want to go and I didn't really go too many house shows when I was little. It took me a while to, you know, get my dad to take me to my first one and that was in 1991. So a lot of years went by till I saw my first live pro wrestling match in person and so but i always would just look at those results and in in detail look at every one and just like wow and you compare and and uh i just would always i want to be at all those shows i was such, such a crazy fanatic then and so when you know i didn't get these shows on you know, a lot of people got the MSG network and they had, you know, the Boston Garden pe- people in Boston got the Boston Garden shows. So I never we never got that out here other than they would show like these matches on primetime. And they were, you know, so that's the only time I saw them. So I, but I wanted to see the complete show. And that's why I really like when I was tape trading or um, <laughs> DVD buying back in the day, I would get these, you know, full shows because i really want to see him so again boom wd uploads these and i'm like all right i can't wait to watch these now originally on this week's episode i wanted to cover wow women wrestling superheroes show that relaunched um on the cw network and um andy brown on twitter 
said, you know, watched it and recommended it to watch. So I was like, oh, that's cool. I totally would want to watch it. I, I watched WoW Wrestling in the past when it was on Access. I thought it was a perfect compliment to Impact Wrestling. Um, or actually, oh, actually, I thought it was going to be a perfect compliment to Impact Wrestling. But before that, it was a, a perfect compliment to New Japan Wrestling. Um, it's a different style, you know, different presentation, but of New Japan, but it just kind of worked. And, 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 you know, I was never like a big fan of Glow. I watched some of it and got a kick out of it and made me chuckle. Um, um, I watched LPWA, Ladies Pro Wrestling America, I believe it was the it was called, um, in the '90s, which had a uh, a fairly short run. I want to say like maybe a year, year and a half. And Joe Petrosino and Jim Cornette were the play by play team, and a. I got into that because there's a lot of people I like. Terry Power, Reggie Bennett, uh, Magnificent Mimi, who I saw from AWA, who was just, just gorgeous, gorgeous. And I just like, you know, <laughs> followed her to LBWA to watch her on that. Um, and so I watched some of that. And that was actually, you know, a, a, I thought it was a pretty decent show back then. And they had a pay-per-view that I made my buddy chatting record because he had the black box. And they had a mixture of the women from Japan. So I saw a lot of the women from Japan on that shows. And um, Garrick is always, was just talking about on our Patreon, which I'm going to talk about shortly here, on our WB98 or WF98 Raw Review show, he talked about, we talked about Terry Powers just showing up now in this time in WBF, stalking Sable, and he mentioned that, you know, he remembers Terry Power being on the uh, women's wrestling tape when he worked at Blockbuster. And that and that tape was the LPWA pay-per-view show. So, um, yeah, so when WoW hit, I said, it's either going to be Glow or it's going to be LPWA, right? And I, don't, I didn't watch WoW, like, in the, in the 2000s. I saw one like pay-per-view. I don't know how I got this tape or DVD of it. I think someone just threw it in there as a rib, like when they bought a bunch of stuff for them. And I watched it and it wasn't good at all. Like there were a lot of green girls in it. And they started watching some of Access and I liked it. So and I know some people on that show. And it's gonna be fun. And I'm gonna um I'm looking forward to reviewing it next week. But what happened was is that I wanted to review it. And I actually tried to set to record it on a, at least Saturday night. It comes on for me here in San Jose. And I looked online and it said 2.30. And I was like, okay, I get it. You know, this it makes sense. You know, it's a lot of these kind of reminded me back in the day when all these smaller companies were buried on, on like late in early in the morning hours. So I set my, I was going to set my TVR and I go, I go to look and I'm like, wait a second, it's not 2.30. Find out, I was looking at East Coast time, it's 11.30, I freaking just, just missed the show. And I was pretty bummed by that. So I set my DVR to record the next week's episode. So I'm going to cover that. So the the second episode of their newest relaunch of WoW. And it's going to be fun to check out and see what the, see how they improved. And um, the, the shows I saw on Access actually... For a quick little hour, it was pretty entertaining. The profiles, the wrestlers, the matches were overall decent. Some were good, some were some were pretty bad. But you know, when when the the competent female athletes were in there, it was pretty good. So we'll check that out um, in the uh, 
next week's episode. So look for that. It's going to be fun. This week, I'm going to cover one of those WBF house shows that the WF just loaded up on the Peacock Network. And you'll find it in the old school section. Um, and what irritates me about this, about WBF or WWE right now, is that they'll load stuff like this and not put it on recently update uploaded stuff. It just quietly gets uploaded. And it takes someone on Twitter who's really following this shit to tweet it out and I'll see it and then I'm on it. But like I'm not saying like run commercials for it on Raw or SmackDown, you know, I do think they should always run commercials and promote Peacock Network on there. You know, they should always have some kind of little commercial for that. But you know, I'll like do what they used to do. They used to sit on like like a you know, just like Peacock does. You know, coming in this week or HBO Max does coming this month or you know, just upload that and so fans can get excited for it. And speaking of uploading old footage, man, bring back the hidden gems. That was like the coolest, um, coolest page on that site because they would upload all this old stuff and you know the battle of Atlanta and everything so i kind of hope they kind of go back to that i think they might because triple h is now in charge of creative i don't know if he's in charge of actually the network but i'm sure he has a say and i'm sure he's an old school guy who likes his classic wrestling he said hey let's unearth some of this stuff let's get it out to the people because a lot of people who are fans there are getting older and you know let them see this stuff you know get it out there Give me Bob Black and versus Ric Flair title title, and I don't care if it was people said it was one of the worst matches. You know, wouldn't you know? I want to see it. I want to see if it really was, or people just upset because they had they had on holds for too long for their liking. So I want to see that stuff. Bring it out. I know they have it. All right. So what's Showman cover of the five they uploaded? Well, as I was looking on the the pictures, there's a couple ones that intrigued me. The little snapshot. And I saw Hulk Hogan and Bam Bam Bigelow tag team. I'm in. I love Hogan. I love Bammer. Um, them, I read their results, them teaming up against DiBiase and Virgil. And I always wanted to see those matches. And I think I've seen a version of this. But this is the first time I've seen this show. And I believe it's first time airing. I don't remember seeing this show. Other than one of the matches, I do remember seeing highlights of, and I'll talk about where I saw the highlights of that match. Some of these actually were on primetime as I was doing some research. So I did see uh, that from primetime. But there's also, they use a lot of this, some of this footage for a certain videotape we're going to talk about when I get to that match. But this was from Cops Coliseum in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada from March 13th, 1988. Um, the commentary team was Craig DeGeorge and Nick Bockwinkle. And Nick Bockwinkle on color commentary was a damn treat. And he's so good at explaining the logic of everything that happens. Um, Craig DeGeorge was okay at keeping the conversation flowing. But when he would say something that just, you know, that didn't work. But then... But then Baku could say why it didn't, and or maybe why it did actually. You just can't see it from your perspective. But you know, or the, it was just—he was amazing. And I don't understand why he didn't have a a second long career as a color commentator. I don't know if he would have long term worked in the WWF because you know Vince wanted more cartoonish kind of characters. 
But God, him and Crockett or, uh, you know, would have been great with Jim Ross. Man, they would have been fantastic. You know, that would have bumped out my, 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 my favorite. One of my favorites is Bob Cottle, but still, I mean, Nick and Jim Ross, that would have been a dream team on play by play. Um, I wish we would have got that. And and I remember when Nick Baku showed up in 1993, 94, as the uh, the WW commissioner. He was such a great job at that role. So he could have done that role a lot sooner. Um, Nick's just one of my all-time favorites. All-time great. Um, If if you're a young viewer out there and haven't seen too much Nick Baku or any Nick Baku, I highly recommend you just watching anything that Nick Baku did. Just just. Go to a, his matches with Kurt Henning to start that right there. Uh, matches versus uh, Billy Robinson. Matches versus Rick Martel. Tito Santana. Um, there's a real fun one from Toronto versus Rick Flair. Um, he just does the little thing. He gets so much mileage out of holds, you know, hammer locks, leg locks, a two fucking double knuckle, a knuckle lock. He could get mileage out of it. He's just a fucking genius, and it, a lot of wrestling young wrestlers need to study him. But you can study him as a heel or a babyface. He's worked both. And he's done. He's, he's just a, an awesome worker. Um, so he, check that out. And his matches with Jumbo Sarut as well. Check those out. So um, and, it, and like I said, he was one of the highlights of this show. And this show was a fun overall show. If I was there live, I'd be going crazy like all these fans were. And they were going crazy for a lot of this stuff. Um, the attendance was 15,000. It's a, and it, as Dick Bockwinkle said, Hell's holds 22,000. Um, so that's a, you know, pretty, pretty good draw in 1988 for sure. Um, you know, Hogan, not a sellout, but shit, 15,000 people. And, uh, you know, WWE is kind of on a little bit of a decline a little bit. You know, post-WrestleMania 387, there's, um, it's, things are cooking now, going into WrestleMania. Hogan's going to leave, so is going to dip a little bit because of that. Randy Savage is champion, and he's a good champion without Hogan, you know. He drew well, but not you know not as good as Hogan. But as Hogan's rival in that big angle in '89, they did really great business. Uh, not only at WrestleMania Five, but also you know rematches after that, and actually all year they had a great program. One of my favorite all-time angles is Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage from all the way starting in '88 to '89. And continuing in 89 with um, the rematches and even the conclusion of the cage match with the uh, the uh, No Holds Barred movie that, <laughs> you know, back in December, that was, you know, I remember we were on God vacation, I think, or it was a weekend. I remember, like, going to my buddy Chatting's house, like, we got to watch this. And we didn't watch No Holds Barred because we actually saw it in the theater, but we just waited to the cage match to start and watch that. So, but before I get into the matches on this card... I'm going to talk about quickly about our fight game media Patreon. Give us give us a shot. $5 you get just <laughs> content after content. I don't know if any Patreon has as much content as we do for that for that low of price of $5. Like every day there's a new upload. There's specials that we do. Um I have a show on the Patreon with Garrett Gonzalez at WWF 98 Raw Review we're doing next year. We're going to do a 
similar version, but of WCW Nitro of 1996. So you want to jump on that. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we got Brace for Impact podcast with uh, JD Oliva and Mike Gilbert. We got the five star podcast on Joshi, Japanese women wrestling with Scott. We got Robert Silva unboxing. We got, you know, Paul Fontaine and Ryan on MA. We got it all co- covered. We got passionate people talking about pro wrestling, and no one mails it in on their shows. No, it's just. I'm so proud of our fight game family from what we do on this feed here and all we do on our Patreon. It's passionate people. Like I said, talking wrestling. And, you know, it's if you want to support anyone's Patreon, those are the people you should support, right? Because, you know, we give our all. And it's all great content. Like I said, every day you get something new. And we got all covered from the fight game. Again, it's $5. I always talk about, hey, just what's one less Starbucks coffee on your month, you know, for the month. And I think it's, you know, and that $5 is going to a good cause of Fight Game Media Plus. I'm sure just sample it, give it a shot one month. And I think you're going to stick around. I think you're going to like what you hear. And also continue to support all our great shows right here on this free feed. Cause we, I mean, I love listening to rap with Keela Cash and Salty Scott. I love listening to Boom with, uh, with Kevin Ely and, and James. I mean, they're, oh man, they're cracking me up today. I was listening to Boob, and they're talking about all the craziness of AEW, and and it's just pumping up the dog, James' dogs in the background barking, and and a fun, and and, and that, it, like it's just so cute. I love it, and I love their love for AEW, and you know, of course, Garrett Gonzalez and I had the Fight Game Media podcast on the Wrestling Observer site. My view usually differs a lot from James and Kevin. I just love hearing their side of it. I love it. I love hearing what what they're seeing, and you know, sometimes I, you know, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I can't compare what I what I what I how I see it. It's a lot of fun. So we got we got opinions from different perspectives all over on all our platforms. So Viking Media Patreon Plus five dollars gives a shot. All right, all right. I talked for enough. I held you guys waiting. Let's get into this card. And this card is 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 one of the. <laughs> it's an interesting card. It, the first match that happens, I'm like, wait a second here. This is uh, this is very interesting. As we're as it opens up with with a, <laughs> I couldn't believe what I saw. Johnny V, Johnny Valiant, comes to the ring. With just, I don't remember him being this long in the WWF. I was taken back by that. I'm like, Johnny V's still here in March of 90, 1988. And I was thinking, was he in that Battle Royal at WrestleMania? And then his opponent is, is ST Jones. And I'm like, wait a second. He's still here? He's still here at at the... WF at this time, it, it just really, you know, really kind of blew my mind. And I was like, wow, they're opening with this match. This is not going to be good. But you know what? It was a nice little surprise. Johnny Valiant, just what a character. It's a per- this guy like a, it was a perfect opening match. You get the crowd warmed up. You see some action. Uh, you know, you just, you know, you don't do too much, though. 
they did go to the floor, which kind of surprised me for the opening match. But, you know, they weren't there that long. They kind of got in and got out. It's not like today's wrestling or the opening match on any show. It's because they just go brawl over the ring and hit, you know, hit each other through chairs and guardrails. You know, it's just the opener. There's a quick little heat by uh, Johnny V onto SG Jones on the outside. But not too long. Just enough to get a couple jeers from the crowd. And, and the crowd was uh, really... Uh, really upset with uh with Johnny V here. So they're you know they're they're getting into it. They're getting into it. That's what this match is uh that's what this match is doing, right? And SD starts making his comeback. Johnny V just takes a freaking awesome awesome backdrop. I mean he's a big thick dude. Uh, not thick muscular, just kind of like a heavier guy, heavier in the midsection. And he just, he just goes up and takes this beautiful, big backdrop. And I was like, wow. And I'm like, all right, I'm into this match. The crowd's into this match. China V kind of, you know, takes over quickly soon after. He starts going to the top rope. Big slam on the top rope, which was pretty big for an opening match at the time. But what the hell, dude? The guy's going to go up that high for a backdrop? I don't care. Let him go up for a top rope. Let him get thrown off it as well. Another big reaction to the crowd. Right? Estee's cooking. He starts taking. He starts He starts going for the win. Johnny V used some, some sneaky heel tactics. Boom. Cuts off. Cuts off Estee. Whits into the ropes. Johnny V bends down for his own version of the backdrop. SD just quickly drops his head, headbutt, and Johnny V just takes this great snap schoolboy bump. One, two, three. SD Jones wins, which I was super happy to see. And I'm like, yes, this is amazing. This was a perfect opening match. Crowds cheering. They sit down, they got their popcorn, they got their soda, their beer, their hot dog, whatever. They're ready for action. They get some action. They got some cool high spots. And the Bayface wins. So now everyone's in just a good mood, right? Hey, okay, that was cool. It was quick. It wasn't long. It didn't overstay its welcome. It just, it, it, it was a perfect opening. So like I said, they're up. The fans are just excited. They saw the Bayface win. They're cheering. They're talking to their neighbor. Yeah, that was cool. It was cool. Now here comes a tag team match. It's the Bolsheviks, the evil Russians, versus the Killer Bees. And I was really interested in this match because I don't remember seeing too many of these matches on television between these two. So I wanted to see how it go. Be Brian Blair, Jim, Jumping Jim Brazil of the Killer Bees are good workers, and Killer Bees were a good tag team. Um, a lot of people thought they should have been WF Tag Team Champions, and, you know, they were pretty popular in, in 87, but I think um, Brian Blair, though, good technician, was also uh, very bland. Maybe he had some fire, but nothing, nothing, nothing major, and then Jim Brunzel was really good, had some fire, but still lacked, didn't work as well in the WWF as he did in AWA, of course, with the Greg Gagne and the High Flyers. Um, I don't know. He just he showed good work, but he just never showed like, oh man, these 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 guys should be the tag team champions. But they were, but they were really hot. they got pretty hot in '87. But at the same time, though, Strike Force, which is Tio Santana and Rick Martel, just won the tag team titles, 
and they are overall a far superior tag team in my opinion. Rick Martel's a tremendous worker. So same with Tio Santana. So I think they I think you know they made the right call of just keeping those belts on strike force and not giving the killer not giving the killer bees or you know not having killer bees defeat the Heart Foundation but actually had the strike force beat them. So so the Bolsheviks <laughs> probably a lot of people's least liked tag team in this era. And I always, I always, I was never like that. I always thought they were were good. Um, Nikolai Volkov, getting a little older, but he still looked tremendous. Huge size, his huge hands, a huge chest. In this match, he just tags in and just springs over the top rope like, like just a cat. Amazing for a man that size. And... It got a great reaction for the crowd. It got a great reaction. Nick Bockwinkel was really impressed with it. And he was just like, damn, have you seen that before? <laughs> Look at that man do that thing. And Boris Zukov was a is a good worker. He, you know, he's not flashy. Neither's Nikolai, but they know their role well and they play it well. They're always in the good position. Um uh, they're good heels. They they knew their role. They weren't the feature tag team on the roster, but they understood their role as the uh as the you know the mid-card heel team and that's all they that's all they needed to be right that's all they needed to be so and they did a great job with that and and this match here was a fun match heat on brian blair after some fun shine from the from the baby faces brian blair finally got the hot tag in eventually hit that trademark drop kick but Volkov broke up the count. Brian Blair came into the ring to stop a double team, but the referee stopped him. And behind the referee's back, Volkov jumped off the middle rope as Brunzel had a hole, a sleeper hole onto um, on Zukov. And and as Volkov hit the uh, the sledge at the second on Brunzel, he rolled out Zukov, who was legal, and he pinned Jim Brunzel as a ref because the referee just lost kind of lost got lost in it and it's got great heat and this is a perfect second match you know you had the Bayface win the first match you come back again with the the heel winning here and so you get the you get the crowd cheering you happy after the match you get the crowd upset after after a match so you get kind of both emotions out of the crowd and and now you're now you're cooking now you're gonna take them on until the because you know the finish is gonna be with Hogan made eventing right so now you gotta get so look, give them a little, give them a roller coaster ride, and I like that. Um, uh, I I think it's a good match to watch. I really do, and I think you'll have appreciation of the Bolsheviks. I, I always do. I think they're they're fine, and I just people just kind of like, oh, they're they're not that good. They're just not that good. Like, I mean, yeah, they're not Ric Flair or Terry Funk, but they're good in their role, right? So they're good workers. Because they understand their role. So respect the Bolsheviks. Respect Boris Zukov too. I remember he was hanging around for a long time doing singles and just doing jobs on television, doing jobs on house show. And, you know, he knew his role. And he did it great. Match number three was a lot of fun. Dino Bravo with Frenchie Martin versus Coco Beware. Of course, he had Frankie. This match, I remember seeing clips of does anyone remember the WrestleMania board game out there listening? 
Did you have the WrestleMania board game? I had the WrestleMania board game. I don't think I ever played the WrestleMania board game. I had it. I got it for a Christmas present. I had no one to play it with. My parents didn't play this WrestleMania board game with me. I don't even think my friends ever played it with me. If we did, I think it may have been one time and no one really knew the rules. But what it came with was a VHS tape. And that tape had highlights of spots. And sometimes the babyface would be in control. Sometimes the heel would be in control. Um, and you'd get points after each of the clips. And if you know, I don't know how the rules go. I, I didn't even get a chance to even look it up to even talk about this. But I, I didn't care. I just want to watch footage. This is footage I've never seen before. And I sure remember this match because this ring at Cops Coliseum in Ontario was not a standard WWF ring at the time. So it must have been a, a local ring at the building they had um, or they, you know, from another uh, promotion that they're renting because it was an 18 by 18 ring and WWF rings are 20 by 20. Um, you hear that, Alexa Tsarevko? <laughs> That's kind of an inside joke, but there's a um, an indie wrestler. I think he's retired by now. Name Alexis Drevko, just a, uh, a uh, just a white guy playing a Russian, you know. Um, nice guy, uh, Alexis. He was, he was a cool dude, you know. Always got along really well. I booked him for APW, and you know, it did did a good job for me. You know, he was perfect for his like just you know he perfect the spot I had him in. Just a you know uh, a mid card heel guy to do jobs and. You know, put him over here and there to kind of keep some credibility to him. But, but one of the famous just stories with when it comes to every time I think of ring sizes, I think of him because I think he famously told people that he worked in WF ring before and it's twenty one by twenty one. <laughs> uh, it's just uh, it's Drafko. He's a good guy, but he's also you know he's like a Bobby Jaggers, a bit of a storyteller out there. You know, you know he's worked locally. He, the way he talked, he sounded like he headlined Madison Square Garden. <laughs> I love guys like that. They would just crack me up, you know, always just talking, talking big. And it's just, that's wrestling, though. That's wrestling. That's locker room talk. You know, people just putting over their shit. It's just, and no one ever calls anyone out. At first, they just kind of listen and laugh or roll their eyes. And I don't know. Why don't we just call people out more? I think it's just fun to hear some people just bullshitting, you know. Anyways, so this match here. Uh, so I remember this ring because also the the ring the ring uh, the ring was different. It had like a, a, a I don't know like a grayish a grayish uh, color and there's a white barrier. And I remember this ring being on that video. I remember this match being on the video because Coco with the with Rennie's red tights they had here red and green, and he would hit this like double fist drop as one of the highlights. He hits it here, uh, and but you know watching this. The whole match, this is a fun little match. It went like 7 minutes, 47 seconds, I believe it did. Um, this is a good, simple, smaller bay phase for using speed and agility versus the powerhouse. Uh, uh, during the heat, Dino Bravo hits this awesome jumping pile driver. Just a thing of beauty. Coco sold it well. Just like he pops up and his head just bounces back into the onto the mat. Just freaking awesome. Um, Bravo gets a two count, and she follows that up with a big clothesline. Gets a two count. Now, this is done all the time today. Like 
even bigger moves than that. You know, Pile Driver to me is a really big move. But the way he he Bravo sold it and he, he gave him time for Coco to sell the move that he just took, right? So yeah, he showed he didn't show like shock that you know when when Coco kicked out of the pile driver. It wasn't like the wide-eyed like, "Oh my gosh," and looked around. He was shocked, but like realistically, how you really would be shocked, like, "What the heck?" Come on, frustrated, looking around, yelling at the referee. He's angry. He didn't finish him off. And as he's yelling, and you know, the referee is looking at his manager. I can't believe this what happened. Like again, he's give you you giving Coco some time to sell and recover a little bit. And then Bravo hits a big clothesline, goes for the cover again. Now that now Coco kicks out again of the big clothesline, same reaction. And then you're giving Coco time to sell. You're not just going to one big move, another big move, another big kick out. But it's just, you're giving these guys time. And, you know, Coco starts making his fiery comeback. You know, he starts grooving, starts selling, starts firing up, starts doing the bird fires off a great draw kick hits that like i said a cool double jumping double fist drop he did um coco's cooking here whips bravo into the corner he charges bravo goes for the i call it the bobby eaton bump in the corner where bobby eaton straddled himself on the top in the middle between the middle and the top turnbuckle and crotch himself and bravo picked him up side suplex boom one two three Perfect little match. Really enjoyed it. The only thing that I would can knock it on is that Bravo just moved out of the corner way too soon for Coco. So it looked kind of weird. And Coco, you know, having jumped yet. And Bravo always started moving. I don't know. It just the timing was off just a little bit. But uh, overall, it was a good match. Um, I love the side suplex. Like, that's not even a finisher anymore. <laughs> like, it just, but I, you know, I believed it for so long. It was a, it was a finisher because. Dino Bravo won with it all the time, right? And and it, the side suplex, you know, guys, like, look how Bravo does it. He grabs a guy, quickly drops down, kicks his legs out, drops a guy, boom. Now guys want to take a guy, spin him around. Like, yeah, it's a little more flashy. But there's just something about, like, quickly picking the guy and just slam him down. It's more believable that way, in my opinion. Though, you know. So, real fun match. Check it out. I think this is another. So, this card's, I think, so far, so good. Cooking. It's really good. I'm loving it. I'm loving this show. It's such a fun house show. And it's cool to see it here. Now, we're getting a little bit bigger stars. Now, next match. Now, we get the fans. You know, a nice baby face win against the two heels on top. After that, now the crowd is just like, okay. So what do you do? You come out back with one of your not tippy top a face, but just right, just right under the Hogan's and the Warriors, etc. You give him Bruce Barbie cake versus Greg the Hammer Valentine. Of course, the former tag team champions now rivals. Uh, during Beefcake's uh, shine, he's you know he's dro- he's dropping elbows. You know this happens a lot in the in the eighties. The old grab the guy by the legs, hold him up, you know, threaten the. the just hit him in the crotch. The fans go crazy. Do it, do it, do it. But since it's illegal, you know, you can't. So the bay face always like either drops, kicks the guy in the gut or drops an elbow as, as, uh, as beef cake did here. And of course, Valentine's selling his midsection. Uh, <laughs> at one point, 
the beefcake pulls Valentine out, you know, out of the ring, but not really. He crotches him on the posts him on the on the on the on the uh, ring post, crotches him there. Valentine starts doing, uh, you know, this kind of goofy sell, right? Crowd's going nuts for this. It's really silly. Another 80 staple that needs to come back. Uh, BK hits the atomic drop, and here comes more of the goofy dancing, selling the selling the crotch. Just Valentine is, uh, you know, it's it's just it's just goofy stuff. It's working here, but it's a little bit too much for me. On I'm like, come on, Valentine, come on, just sell it, but don't make it like he's almost like doing gyrations. It's it's you know long. It was a long time on the road for these guys. You know, they're having fun here, but the cameras are rolling for the show, so. Uh, the cutoff I like is simple, easy cutoff. They're in the corner. Referee gets between them, uh, tries to break them up, and there's uh, Valentine rakes the eyes of Beefcake. And then as as Beefcake selling the eye again, Valentine gives him time. Doesn't jump just jump, jump on him right away. Gives him time to sell. Register the eye being poked. Show the crowd. Oh my God, I can't see. Now, quick boom, chop to the throat. Again, give him time to sell. Um, you know, watch Valentine's Heat here. Really good, aggressive, and physical. Um, it's a pretty long heat on BK here. The negative with BK here is like I wanted to see him fight back more um, as he's at during his heat. Like I thought he, he he's not dying, but it's you gotta you know show some fight a little bit. And yeah, it could be on Valentine for not calling it, but BK should know by now. Um, finally, Valentine just knuckle locks um, Beefcake, and he's trying to hold him down for the pin. And Valentine, you know, does almost like a handstand, going to drop his legs, knees down to put more pressure on Beefcake so he can hold him down. But this time, Beefcake gets the knees up, and of course, again. Valentine crosses himself, and again that midsection's hurt, and just kind of comes back to what they started earlier. That was great. I loved it. Um, BK starts making this comeback. He's doing like reverse karate strikes and almost doing like a Rick Steamboat pose, and then he starts throwing overhand rights, which he has a good punch. Like you don't see punches that look this good um, in a long time. Finally. BK gets a sleeper. Here comes Jimmy Hart on the top rope. Comes off the top rope. But Beefcake lets go as a Valentine. Grabs Jimmy in a bear hug. And now he's squeezing little Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart drops the megaphone. Valentine gets the megaphone. Cracks Beefcake on the on the on the back of the head. Disqualification, right? Crowd's going insane. Valentine's threatening to cut Beefcake's hair. He gets the scissors, goes for it, but B-Kick's end re- is able to reverse it. Valentine veils out. Beefcake has Jimmy Hart stuck in the corner, and, and Jimmy Hart's holding the referee in front of him, and so Beefcake tries to cut Jimmy Hart's hair, but Jimmy Hart runs away. Uh, it's just a wild scene. The crowd's going nuts. Beefcake decides to turn on the referee. <laughs> And wants to cut his hair. I think he's just ha- he's just having fun, but it just didn't make sense because the referee did nothing nothing wrong in this match. He just had this, you know, he just made the right call. He disqualified Valentine for hitting him with the with the megaphone. So I don't know. It was 
it was a lot of fun and it really worked. The crowd was going crazy. Now, the next match was interesting. Uh, it was a singles match. Norio Titano versus Leon Kai. Uh, these are, you know, Leon, uh, Titano is a you know partner with Yamazaki and the Jovey Bomb Angels. Of course, Leon Kai is a tag team partner with Judy Martin and the Glamour Girls. And I was like, oh, man, we're going to get a Glamour Girls Jumping Bomb Halo match. These matches always rule, always good. Uh, highly recommend checking out their match from Madison Square Garden. Um, just look up MSG, Glamour Girls, Jumping Bomb Angels, Jumping Bob Angels, and it's freaking phenomenal. And, um, you know, the Bomb Angels are fun, but, you know, Judy Martin and Leon Kai are really, really good. So, G. Martin has an injury. She looks like she has like a calf injury, and she's really just having a hard time walking on it. But she's out there. She's seconding, so they made it a singles match. Uh, and this was a lot of fun. I think, you know, good pay, a long match, 13 minutes, 12 seconds. Um, a lot of work on holds. G. Martin, man. I mean, I'm sorry, excuse me. Lena Kai, watch her heat. Watch how she delivers it. Aggressive, physical. Oh, man. You just don't see that today. You guys are just going through the motions through through the through the heat. It's just you know, uh, you know, mostly it's just moves. It's not like striking a guy hard, giving that facial put your body language behind stuff. Um, you know, this match here, Jimmy Hart's interfering. Judy Martin's interfering for the heat. The crowd, you know, early on they're kind of like, okay, we just saw our star and Bruce Beefcake and a, and a guy that was a you know. A, former champion, uh, intergarden champion, and, and Valentine, you know, they're invested in that feud, but here comes the, the women, and they're not really into this. They're kind of just kind of, you know, watching and being respectful. But then when the heat starts happening with Leon Kai and Jimmy Hart and Jimmy Martin interfere, that's when they start, they start oh, man, they're, they're, they're rumbling, right? And, and Titano, she, she starts making, she starts making her comeback, uh, Jimmy Hart once again interferes. Yamazaki at ringside just had enough. She starts chasing Jimmy Hart around the ring as Satano and Lane Kai are, are are battling it out in the ring. Uh, Jimmy Hart tries to escape by jumping, going in the ring, trying to get out, trying to get in the ring to kind of escape her. But she Yamazaki grabs another leg, so now now Jimmy Hart's on the apron trying to get away and pull his leg away from Yamazaki. So at the same time, there's a reversal. By uh, Titano and uh, Leonie Kai. And Leonie Kai goes crashing right into Jimmy Hart. Roll up by Titano. One, two, three. Big pop for that finish. I always love that finish. Worked, always works. Worked here. Crowd went nuts. And these girls really worked hard. Like I said, the fans weren't really into this, but they got these girls got them in. They got them into it. A lot of fun. Um, I still wish it was a singles match, and I'm guessing Judy must have just heard it the night before because she what did they did work on March 12th in a tag team match together. I was looking at results, and that must have been when the injury happened. It looked like a calf injury because the the tape was around her calf, um, so that's a pretty pretty nasty injury, and she was limping really bad on it. So, um, but yeah, so that that's it was still still very good. Now, the next match is tag team match. George the Animal Steel and Rock. Don Morocco versus One Man Game and Hacksaw Butch Reed. Um, I, don't know, I don't know if he's called Hacksaw back then. Just Butch Reed. 
in a very wacky tag team match. And this was the worst match on the card. Though the fat, I mean, worse for me if you're, I was just, I felt like, man, I really, I'd rather just seen Morocco versus Reed. And I would have took a, a quick steal versus one man gang singles match, right? But tag team match, a lot of it, it was, it's just like, I guess it was a, technically a cool, like kind of cooled the crowd down for the, you know, Hulk Hogan shows up in the next match, but you know, there's still a lot of shtick and a lot of comedy and the fans are really digging it with George Steele, you know, his wacky, crazy character in 98. Um, and I'm sorry, 88. <laughs> I'm on 98 cause we're doing a raw review and it's, but I don't know. I'm just not feeling this match. And there's heat on Morocco, which he, he ain't selling shit for a while. You got to really keep, yeah, he, he's not going to sell till you hit him like at least by the fifth, five times. It'll go down. He's just, I don't know. Everyone's seen kind of just goofing off in this one. And it, uh, the Bay Faces one. And this is, a, if you're going to watch this show, this is definitely one to skip. I, nothing, unless you're just big fans of, you know, one of these guys. Um, and I do. I like, I like all these guys, but I just, just, for me, it just did not work. And, you know, I'm like, I was ready for the main event at this time. Uh, and that brings me to the main event. A big tag team main event. Hulk Hogan, the WWF champion, and Bam Bam Bigelow. They defeat Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, and his bodyguard, Virgil, with Andre Giant at ringside. Um, you know, Virgil is there to do the job because you don't want to beat DiBiase going into the tournament. You don't want to be Andre. You don't want to do some, you, know, you want to get some fans happy with a, with a, with a decisive finish. Um, and that's what you got here was Virgil taking the, taking the, the pin, but man, Virgil, he's never been good. And there's some scary stuff with him in there. At, at one point, Bam Bam Bigelow press slams him and, he just Virgil's not, you know, posting correctly with Bam Bam. Bam is strong. He's trying to doesn't want to, you know, fucking kill Virgil by dropping on his head or anything. So he's trying to like, you know, get position, get his hand position. It's scary. I'm like, dude, this is not gonna turn. And he still, you know, presses and 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 and, and turns him over and and slams him. And Virgil takes a back bump. But if I was Bam Bam there, I'd be like, you know, fuck, I'm just going to drop you like the warrior. Just drop me down, let you fall, take a pancake bump down. Like, that's probably going to be safer, you know, than what he, like, I was a little nervous. But he, you know, he, he does the press, grill press with the, you know, pumping the guy on his back. So he, he went through with it. But I said, yeah, damn, just drop him, man. Not, not drop him to hurt him, but just drop him safely, you know. It was scary, scary. Uh, Early shine, but before that early shine with the Bay Faces, Ping Pong and DiBiase and Virgil around. Really good stuff when DiBiase is there. He's just, he's just amazing. Hogan, House of Fire, crowd is just insane. Insane for this match. Uh, Hogan gets the heat on him. I did not expect that. I'm like, okay, this is kind of a short, I know this is a shorter match because I was looking at the time. And I thought, okay, maybe like a quick heat on Hogan and a longer heat on Bam Bam. You know, but no, this is, you know, Hogan took the heat. Of course, he sells great. And crowds going nuts, you know. They're, they're, come on, they're here to fight back. And and when Virgil gets in, my God, it just he just looks like he's lost in there. And eventually, Hogan gets a hot tag to Bam 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 House of Fire. Um, I love Bam Bam Bigelow, one of my favorites. Uh, you know, 
I've talked about this many times on the on my podcast. You kind of know. I like the bigger wrestler that can move. Uh, the rounder, heavier set guys. That just you know, the Jerry Blackwells, the Bam Bam Bigelows, uh, guys like Terry Bam Bam Gordy. Just big dudes who can move. I, I wish we we have a lot of bigger guys and some good athletes. You know, Wardlow's a great athlete. You know, really good athlete. I just, but these guys just had something special, man. Vader, uh, just you know, just these guys were just. Just amazing talent, Scott Norton. How can I forget? Forget my my boy, Scott Flash Norton. <coughs> but bam, bam, unreal. And eventually, it's you know, Andre's been interfering, and during the heat of Hogan, that was in great. Andre show, Andre shows an awesome aggression out there. Awesome. It's just like when he's choking Hogan the ropes. It's, he just looks so menacing. Uh, eventually, you know. There's no tag to Hawk, tag to Hogan. It's Bam Bam is during the hot tag. He ends up getting his big old, like, everyone's in the ring. Virgil's down. Hogan kind of sneaks in, drops the big leg. Bam Bam hits the rope. Big splash. One, two, three. Bay faces win. Andre comes in pretty quick, like a cat almost, especially for 88. Like, i never seen him move this fast, and he's on Hogan. There's chairs being brought in. Bay faces run off the heels, and Hogan pose, and and uh, <laughs> Bam Bam takes part of that. You know the old, the old clothes of the classic WWF shows with Hogan, and man, this is fun. I I love this show. You know, other than one match, I just that, that George Steele, Don Morocco, one man game, Bush Reed match. Like other than that, like I dug this show a lot. A lot of good, solid wrestling. Uh, the matches weren't long. This is less than a two-hour show. At least, what was you know, you know, shown. I'm glad they didn't like show everything because you know, they're not not matches, but all the other goofiness. They, they cut it down for us. Boom, boom, boom. Like just quick hour forty, uh, almost hour fifty, I guess. And it's a, it's a really really easy watch. And you know, like I said, recommend it. I just probably skipped the. Uh, <laughs> That that tag, that semifinal tag match. I think you're really gonna enjoy it. So okay, that's the show this week. I'm oh, glad you. I hope you took this had fun on this little retro trip to 1988 WWF. Again, next week I'll be talking about Wow Superheroes, the Wow Women of Wrestling show. Um, I'm looking forward to that one. Got my DVR. Gonna tape it. Gonna review it next week. So Andy Brown, wait for it. Then I think you're. Uh, I th- I think you're going to enjoy it. So everyone have a good weekend. Be safe. Take care.